Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. Hey, this is Big Chief, and you're listening to the Bourbon Road. You know what I love to pour in my old fashions is a little maple syrup. Can't be just any maple syrup. It has to be from seldom seen farms up in Ohio. He takes bourbon barrels, pours his syrup in there, and ages it for six to nine months, making for some delicious, just some delicious syrup that you could pour on pancakes, you could pour it on waffles, chicken and waffles like this fat guy likes. But seriously, you want to make a delicious cocktail with some maple syrup and not that old simple syrup. Check out SeldomSeenMaple.com. Pick up some stuff from there today. We'd appreciate it. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, we're out at Jeff the Ben Farm. I know. I feel, feel like we should have some Garth Brooks playing in the background with that thunder rolls, you know? Thunder rolls, yeah. yeah you, hear, you might hear the thunder and lightning in the background. But, Quite a uh, storm going through, but it's we're, we're due for it because it's been... It's almost a desert out there. That's yeah, a little parched. And that's the reason we brought our guest in today, because we were parched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 180 degrees outside today. Well, there you go. Who's our guest, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> so we have the cocktail contessa herself, Heather Wibbles. Uh, she is managing director for Bourbon Women. Uh, she also has her own website. Um, she does all kinds of stuff. You'll see at her events, uh, bourbon events around town. Um, that's where I saw her last was at Jim Beam when they did their grand reopening and named uh, Freddie new master distiller there at Jim Beam. Uh-huh. Big day. Big mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Well, Heather, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to be here and to make some cocktails for you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, Mike, to drink a couple of cocktails that are, you know, we throw them together. Well, we don't necessarily. We're not. We're not artists at it, right? I mean, we don't. Necessarily. I don't know. You make a pretty good cocktail. I don't, Jim. I just throw it together and. And hope Do you it measure? Good. Please tell me you measure. I don't measure. Nothing. Oh my god, you don't measure. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna have to have a conversation about that. I'm like that old school cook that just kind of throws stuff. I know, together. but if you make the perfect cocktail without measuring, you can never repeat it. The your family will spend the rest of their days saying, "Remember that time Mike made that perfect old fashioned, and he's never been able to do it since." <laughs> if you measure yeah. and write things down, you don't have that problem. That's why I put a Coors beer in everybody's hand. You know, then they don't notice, do they? <laughs> yeah. Is there a reason for the Coors rather than another brand? I don't know. I just, uh, that, that Coors banquet, that little bitty yellow jacket bottle mm-hmm. is, it fits perfect in my hand. Well, for you, I guess it seems country. It seems Texas. It's, well, it's, it's Colorado actually, but. What's well, west of the. West that, of the Mississippi. East, east bound down, you know, uh, Smokey and a Bandit was the reason why. <laughs> That's the reason why, right there. I'd watch that movie when I was a little kid, and I was yeah. like, man, I'm going to drink that beer. I'm going to drink that beer. Okay. Well, yeah. I can't do anything about that. That's what I grew up wanting to be, too. I wanted to be Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey or the Bandit? Man, you want to really be both. You want to have that car, but be able to drive that truck. Well, you know, that's true. Yeah. That yeah. is true. That's, great. that's a classic show. And then what was what was the the young lady's name in that show? Oh, I don't think she's young anymore. No, she's not. Because I saw her on Sally, TV. Sally Fields. Sally Fields. Mm-hmm. I saw Sally Fields in a movie the other day. Very recently made movie. Mm-hmm. She's still kicking it. That's, that's Forrest Gump mama. Yeah. That's Forrest Gump's mama. Among other there. things. She's been yeah. in all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Her her resume is quite long. Yes. It's kind of like yours, Heather. You, 
your cocktail contessa. Now that's a royalty, right? It is. Cocktail royalty. Do you want to know how that name came about? Let's, let's hear it. All right. It is Peggy No Stevens' fault. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. She always has the best names for everything. Um, I was doing an event at her house and she had asked me to make some bespoke cocktails for her and come in and create them for the people who are coming and batch some and then do some on the spot. I'll limit it. And uh, as I walked in the door, much like I did here, carrying a box of liquor and a bag of cocktail implements. She said, oh, it's the cocktail Contessa. And I said, can I use that? She's like, sure, no problem. So I went home that night and registered the domain name cocktailcontessa.com and just started creating cocktails. I had already been creating cocktails for bourbon women. I had, you know, I had started in, it, yesterday was my nine year anniversary in bourbon women. It popped up in my memories on Facebook. My best friend and I went to the Filson Club and it was a an event to celebrate Fred Minnick's book, Whiskey Women. Joy Perini was there. She's since passed. Um, and she was mixing cocktails. There was Jimmy and Jaretta. Russell were there. Peggy No Stevens was there. Susan Riegler was there. And it was just this conversation about the sort of forgotten history of women in whiskey. And we were sold. We joined that night and we've been going to events ever since. So really since then, I had started playing with cocktails and I had won. We have a yearly contest every year. We have the Not Your Pink Drink Contest. And the whole premise behind the contest is that women who like bourbon do not need pink drinks. We don't want to be pandered to. We want a cocktail that tastes good. We want a cocktail that tastes like bourbon. And we want a cocktail that celebrates bourbon, right? We're not playing around, right? We're not messing around. And so I won that contest three years. And at the third year, they said, Heather, maybe you could not enter next year and let someone else compete and win. Would you mind judging? Of course, I don't mind judging. Who minds making cocktails and getting to taste test them? So, Absolutely. So that's how that all came about. I could be a judge of a cocktail for sure. Well, well speaking, of, speaking of tasting cocktails, Mike. We'd be a bit remiss if we didn't let our listeners know what we're going to be sipping on today. Yeah, Heather made us some badass cocktails. I don't think I've ever drinking out of a glass like this. I feel like I should have my pinky out. Your pinky definitely needs to be out. <laughs> now, I didn't get a fancy skewer and I didn't trim the orange up, so it's not super fancy like I might take a picture of, but it has all the basics in it. And this is one cocktail that I love to make for whiskey drinkers. It is called a Black Manhattan. It is a classic kind of Manhattan. It's more recent than the regular Manhattan. The regular Manhattan's pretty old. Um, and it includes Amaro, which is an Italian liqueur. It's a digestif. And it has bitter notes. What was that word again? Digestif. Digestif. Italian word. Um, and it is something that you drink to help you settle your stomach after a meal. Some of them may be considered aperitif, so you would drink them to get your appetite going. They are highly bitter, and they're very sweet. So this is this is right up our alley, Jim. It is. Bitter this, and sweet. We could eat this, drink this right after we eat that Nashville hot chicken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be good. <laughs> I'm, missing, I'm missing a Nashville hot chicken. I bet. I bet. So the Black Manhattan basically is two ounces of bourbon or rye. In this case, we used Rebel 99. We use the 99 proof, right? That's the first. Not the Rebel, Ezra. Ezra, oh, Ezra Brooks. Brooks. That's yeah. right. The Rebels was a different bottle. Um, so, and the, the guys here saw me do what I always do when I test a whiskey with the other ingredients is I smell the two together. So they got to see me 
holding two bottles up to my nose and smelling the two together because if two things smell good together, they're probably going to taste good it's like together. It's double barreled up to your nose. I know. And one in each for each nostril. One for each nostril. And you know you have a dominant nostril, so sometimes you have to switch them. Really? And yeah, you do have a dominant nostril. I was nostril. say if you had a deviated septum, septum like I do, oh. you'd, you'd be in much trouble. You would be. You'd have to hold both of them on one side, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that what you have to do? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, since 80, 90% of flavor is from your sense of smell, two things smell together, they're probably going to taste good together. I like that. That's very tasty. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's simple to batch. It's one of, um, you know, I batch things. I turn ounces into cups to batch them. So if I were going to make a batch of eight of those, it would be two cups of bourbon or rye, a cup of the Amaro. And I'm using Foro Amaro, which is one that um, Michter's bourbon uses a lot for their Black Manhattans. That's where I first found it was in an event with Michter's, a Michter's event, not at their Fort, bar at Fort Nelson, but at their plant, their actual plant before the bar at Fort Nelson was open. I got to do an event there for the Kentucky Bourbon Affair and had one of their Black Manhattans. I'm like, oh, I need this tomorrow right now. I've had a lot of people tell me, they were like, we've been to the distillery. And I'm like, you haven't been to the distillery. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've been to the distillery. Yeah. I, they were like, no, we went to it. It's down on Main Street. And I was like, no, that's it's not, not the distillery. That's not the distillery. That's the craft side <laughs> yeah, of things that's the pretty side of that's things. the pretty side but yeah. they do meet the minimum requirements of a distillery right? yeah oh that's so a, they make yeah. just enough whiskey there mm -hmm. to hold that license and to call it a distillery yeah and then they send that barrel all the way back down to the main plant and they have it blended in don't they mm -hmm. either blend the it in or make they make bottles out of it right mm -hmm. do they do single barrels from what they make out of the fort nelson distillery I'm going to say they, they probably told us that. I just don't remember the they answer. They do now because you can get a single barrel there. That's right. the rye, though. But is no, that... A, I think you can get a single barrel bourbon there now, too. Oh, okay. Are they distilling both rye and bourbon there? I don't know. That's a good question. I thought they were just doing bourbon, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I should have done some research back on one of our old shows before we came in here. I don't remember, Mike. Mm -hmm. That stuff kind of... I kind of brain dumped that after a little bit. I don't know, but this is very good. Yeah. The only thing I, I got to say is I wish I had a bigger glass. <laughs> I got more. No, you're good. I can I'm make you another one. So yeah. we've got the Ezra 99 in here right now, but but what's your choice bourbon for making this cocktail? If you if you get to choose. It depends on what I'm in the mood for. If I want something with lots of raisin and dried fruit notes to tie into the bitterness of the Amaro, I might use Old Forester 100. If I want something with some kick and some spice, Michter Single Barrel Rye, always a good thing. I personally love Johnny Drum. We were talking about Johnny Drum earlier. Yeah. I love Johnny Drum's cinnamon notes because this Amaro has both coffee and chocolate in it. And so the cinnamon and the coffee and the chocolate make this kind of almost like after dinner drink um, kind of thing that you can tend sip on. There's a bottle of Johnny Drum over there somewhere, but it's probably way in the back. Way in the back. Way in the back. That whole cabinet over there. <laughs> if I use my right, my left arm, I can get way in the back. Yeah. I can't do that with my right yeah. arm, but I can do that with my left arm. Yeah, you know, Willet products really bring something different to a cocktail, don't they? They they're, really they're, do. They're just amazing. And and I, I would say it's the same for me with like uh, Leaper's Fork products. Really? Yeah, they kind of, they bring that special spicy, almost a Christmassy profile to it mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. You, you were saying, I was talking before about not measuring i do make one cocktail and i measure for it and what is that it's a cold brew bourbon coffee oh tell me more um two ounces of bourbon um ounce and a half of our bourbon maple syrup that we have oh 
um, cold brew coffee, four ounces of that, uh-huh. and uh, two ounces of heavy whipping cream. On top or mixed in? Oh, I, I, you got to mix it. I got to mix it. I just can't have what? it. But if you shake slow. it up, you can get like that nice layer on the top. Maybe just one stir would be like. And get a little bit of it in. Yeah. See, now that would work. Yeah. That would definitely work. So do you grate nutmeg on top? No, but I probably would. You, yeah. you need to it try it. Like I probably would have won with some nutmeg. Yeah. Probably would have won. We had our wives and we had uh, for an episode, had our wives on. And uh, we each made a cocktail mm-hmm. and then we went and had four or five different types of biscuits. And then we had four different types of country ham Oh, um, from around Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had the biscuit, ham and cocktail. And each one of us made our own signature cocktail for that episode. And, and the, the drink, the cocktails were supposed to be kind of brunchy, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Just a nice episode to yeah. have our wives on, and they, they always get mentioned so much, and they support us so much, so you got to bring them on, right? And you got to let them judge the cocktails. Yeah. But you know why? Women have a 40% larger olfactory bulb than men. They're naturally attuned more to scents and more to smells. That's why they won, Mike. I know. Dang it. <laughs> That's why. I'm, I'm dead serious. I mean, anyone can be trained up on sensory, right? Anyone. I mean, there's plenty of very talented men and women in it, and they all train and, you know, expand their own sensory palate. But women just have kind of a biological advantage that, you know. I thought it was left-handed people. No, it's women. <laughs> it's all women. <laughs> all right, we're going to keep sipping on this black Manhattan, but uh, I'd like to find out a little bit more about how you found your way into bourbon women. I mm-hmm. mean, you mentioned earlier it was a number of years ago, but how you ended up where you are today. We're going to talk a little bit about your book. Yes. Um, and, and in the second half, after we take our break, we'll come back and have another one of your cocktails. I'm really looking forward to that one as yeah. well. Yeah. The pressure's on for me now. Yeah. So why don't you bring us up to date? Well, I told you about how we got into bourbon women and my best friend and I, um, I had moved. The whole reason I started even exploring bourbon is we moved from Nashville where we had lived for 17 years back here. My parents lived in uh, Jeffersonville. I grew up in Jeffersonville and and they now live in Clarksville. And I thought, well, I don't really want to live on that side of the river because people in Indiana kind of have this thing where they don't want to cross the river. I don't know if you all have noticed that, but if you talk with people in Southern Indiana, there's this psychological barrier associated with crossing the river. That's a shame because we cross it all the time. I know. Yeah. I know. People on the Kentucky side are like, eh, it's just Indiana. People on the Indiana side are like, oh my God, it's Kentucky. So, (laughs) you know, so, and even growing up, my parents didn't let me drive to Louisville. So the first time I had to take my brother to something in, in downtown Louisville, they'd never let me drive. And I turned the wrong way on Main Street and ended up way down in the far part of town. I had no idea where I was. And this is before GPS phones and stuff like that. So you just have your car and a map and that's it. And my brother couldn't read a map. I mean, he was just bebopping. He was, I think I was supposed to take him to Actors Theater. So he was supposed to go and do some kind of theater camp. So, you know, that's, regardless, I moved back here. Let's get back on topic, right? I moved back here and um, I wanted to have more knowledge of one of the main things that Kentucky is known for. Um, Horses are fine. Bourbon is more fun. You know, to me, bourbon is way more fun. So my best friend and I had started to do some bourbon trail things. We went to a couple distilleries uh, for my 40th birthday. We rented a limousine, went out to two or three distilleries. I was hooked. 
she was hooked. And then we found Bourbon Women, and then there you go. So before you traveled up here from Nashville, was Bourbon in the in, in the in the sites at all? I mean, you- as much as as any person who lived in this area has Bourbon in their background, you use it to cook with, right? You throw it in your derby pie. You put it in your coffee sometimes. When you're feeling bad, you make a hot toddy. So those kinds of things were always in the background. But a real awareness of bourbon as um, a special product of Kentucky and something that had a lot of depth and complexity to it, I don't think I had really discovered that until I moved back here and really started to learn about the distilleries. Because once you start going to distilleries and you see the process and what it takes to make a great spirit, a great bourbon, it really amps up your anticipation and your enjoyment of the spirit. And so even people, I think, who aren't huge bourbon fans, they go to a distillery, they taste a flight, and they may not drink it all, but they appreciate what they've learned. They appreciate the work that goes into it. But one of the things, uh, my husband wouldn't drink bourbon for years. And it was awesome because I had a designated driver, right? My best friend and I would go to the Kentucky Bourbon Affair. We would go to any kind of bourbon event at all. He'd drop us off. He'd pick us up and bring us home. Some of this was before Uber and left. And I, I just felt kind of bad. I'm like, he wasn't getting to enjoy what we were getting to enjoy. So we went to the Village Anchor in um, Anchorage. And I had one of their old fashions. It's a brown sugar old fashioned with the old Forester, orange bitters. Had a sip. He took a sip. He loved it. He's like, I'm going to order one. And so after that, every Friday, I would make him an old fashioned. So that's really where I started to make cocktails. I was trying to get him And you guys can't see this, but I'm actually pointing at him over in the corner. I was trying to get him, and he's sheepishly grinning, to actually sip bourbon. And so I was kind of crafty about it. And so every Friday, I would create two old fashions, and he would have to choose between the two, right? And so eventually, I'm like, well, I need you to help me decide. I need you to help me decide which bourbon to use. So he would have to taste the bourbons first. And then choose from maybe four bourbons, which two we were going to make. Sly. I know. And it worked. It's like, that's the reverse of most stories we hear. It's most husbands are trying to get their wives to drink bourbon. I know. And I didn't start with bourbon cocktails. I started with bourbon neat. I didn't start drinking bourbon and cocktails really at all. Most people, you know, start with Mm -hmm. cocktails. I'm like, oh, this is good. Let me taste it neat. Kind of like what I did with him. I wanted it foolproof, high proof, you know, bold, brash, assertive, really fun, bold, complex flavors. But then I understood how much those flavors change with the addition of other elements. I mean, with the Amaro, it's bitter and it's sweet and it's chocolatey and it's coffee. And those notes can be kind of found in that bourbon that's underneath it. And you can elevate those notes in the cocktail. So, I mean, a really a great bourbon cocktail elevates the bourbon. So in general, would you say when you're making a cocktail – you want the bourbon to uh, accentuate the cocktail or to bring something new to it? I want the other elements to accentuate the bourbon. So so having them pair together is mm-hmm. very important. It is. Just like you would pair food, I pair cocktail elements. That's why I was wandering around your kitchen with open bottles smelling them at the same time. I will do the same thing with bitters. If I'm making an old-fashioned, I often put... I smell the bourbon on its own or the, or the rye or the whiskey or whatever I'm using. And I notice what kind of notes are in it. And then I think about what happens when I put the simple syrup in it knows that again. 
And then I think about what it reminds me of that I just have on the aroma, but don't really have on the flavor. So maybe I get notes of nut notes in it, but there's not really any nuts in the flavor itself. I have black walnut bitters or maybe coffee pecan bitters. So I use the additional elements to either pump up a flavor that I need, I think needs to be bumped up or to add a flavor that's complementary to something that's already in there. Mike, there's a, there's a whole new level to this thing. You we, think, you think we just throw the kind of things together? Well, I mean, that's not I, what I, we're have, doing. I have bitters, right? No, actually I have two bottles of bitters. I have old fashioned, no, three bottles. I got Angostura bitters. Good. I've got old fashioned bitters mm-hmm. and then I've got orange bitters. Yeah. And, but I don't, use them to do things. I just follow some rules. I just follow somebody's recipe. Yeah. Well, so let's think about this. So you said you have Angostura, old fashioned and orange bitters. Yes. So what's a flavor that goes good with orange to you? I think chocolate Chocolate? goes good with orange. Yeah. So if you had a chocolate, uh, a bourbon or a rye that had some nice chocolate notes in it, some cocoa, like some deep cocoa, that would be a perfect bourbon for you to use with the orange bitters, right? Because the orange yeah. would combine with the chocolate and would taste like an orange cream. Yeah, like uh, Old Forster 1910, right? Oh, that would be so good. I don't know. We got bitters here, but I don't know what kind of they are. <laughs> I do know we have some uh, cherry bitters and we have some orange bitters. Perfect. I would encourage you two other kinds of bitters, chocolate and smoked chili bitters from Hella Bitters. Hella Bitters makes these smoked chili bitters that are fantastic for people who are whiskey enthusiasts. They have heat from the capsaicin, right? So they obviously they have some chilies in them itself and they have some smoke. So if you have a bourbon that has some like leather and tobacco and some char to it and you add the smoked chili bitters and it's a high proof, oh, it's so good. And it's a high proof whiskey, like Pikesville rye. Pikesville rye is just I love fabulous. Pikesville rye. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Like that and some simple syrup like Demerara, raw sugar, simple syrup. And then the smoked chili bitters just makes an incredible old fashioned for someone who loves high proof whiskeys. Wow. That sounds like a good match for maybe the Knob Creek 15 year. Oh, that would be good. Is it pretty smoky? I think it's well, it's got that leather, like char. that char, that, mm-hmm. that extra oak to it. Yeah. I think any of those, like even the Russell's 13 year mm-hmm. is a really kind of a smoky, charred taste to it, rich tobaccos and stuff. Honestly, Wild Turkey 101 is even good with it. I mean, something that's assertive and aggressive can stand up to the smoke and the chili because it's an unusual bitter flavor to add. But... The other thing it does is when you have a cocktail, let's say you have used Pikesville to make a cocktail, right? It's high proof. When you actually make the cocktail, you're lowering the proof. So the dilution goes down. So some of that heat from the proof is reduced. But if you add the bitters with the capsaicin, you get a little bit more of that heat and mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. I got to say, since I've been in Kentucky, um, I've had more appreciation for a great mixologist. Um, like I'd never had a true whiskey sour. It wasn't from a mix until probably this Christmas. We went to an event mm-hmm. down at the Sealbach at the uh, the bowl, speakeasy. The oh, the downstairs with all the tiles and everything. Yeah. And oh my God, I saw the girl making it, and I was like, I'm gonna drink one of those right there, right now. Yep. 
and I had it, and I was like, this might be one of the best cocktails I'd ever had in my life. Now, was it over the rocks, or was it up in a coop with egg white? Oh, it was with egg white. Egg white. And I just was like, I'm never going to have a whiskey sour any other way. If you don't like egg white, you can also use aquafaba. Do you guys know what aquafaba is? Uh, all these new words. I know. So aquafaba, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't keep a lot of eggs in the house. But aquafaba is the juice from a chickpea can. So the juice that you pour out, you save that, and it has the same um, proteins in it that when added to um the little bit of citric acid and the proof from, and a little bit of sugar and the proof from the whiskey, it does the same thing as an egg white. Like there are people who are vegans who actually make meringues from chickpea juice. And it has that same frothiness. Yes. Really? And in fact, the frothiness stays there a little bit longer. And I'll even give you another cheat. You ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. You don't even have to do like, there's a really complicated way you can do shaking. So you put the two together, put all your ingredients in a can and a shaking tin and you add the egg white or the aquafaba. You shake it really hard with one ice cube and you add the one ice cube just to make sure the shaker doesn't pop apart because you don't have a lot of ice in it. Shake it for 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Then you add ice, you shake it again, and then you strain it out. You get that nice bed of foam on top. What you can do instead is use an electric latte whisk. Okay. Have you seen one of those? No. It's about this long. It's probably like six to 10 inches long. It's got a little handle on it and it's got a wire whisk on the bottom and you press on the top and it just makes this whisk go really fast. And it's something that you use to make a latte if you want to froth your milk. Well, all you do is you shake everything up so it's cold. You put it in a mixing glass. You run the electric latte whisk for 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Add your ice. Always fill it up completely with ice. And then, um, you know, traditionally you would make it that way and you would strain it into a coop that was chilled. Make sure you chill your coop. It was probably chilled when you had it at the event at the Rafskiller, probably. Mm -hmm. And then you get that nice foam. If you're going to use an electric latte whisk, which is about eight to 10 inches long, it's got a little wire. It's got a ring with a little wire whisk on the bottom of it. It's basically an electric whisk that's base it's really tiny i mean no footprint at all in the kitchen i'll have to pull it up on amazon so you guys can see what it looks like and you basically you shake everything together all of your ingredients with ice you get it nice and chilled you put it into a mixing glass you run the electric latte whisk for about eight to ten seconds and then you have this glorious foam on top just pour it into a coop and you're done wow easy peasy learning all kinds of new stuff Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Jim will have one tomorrow. Yeah, probably will. <laughs> I got to have it of buying that stuff, and then it ends up in the cupboard somewhere, and I, I just don't get it back out again. But but if you use it to make a good cocktail, and you want that cocktail again, you'll get it out again. Yeah, I probably would. I promise. Probably would. Mm-hmm. So you make cocktails. Mm-hmm. And you wrote the book. And I wrote the book. Yeah. So the book came about because Bourbon Women was having our 10-year anniversary in um, last year, in 2021. And at late 2020, Peggy No Stevens and Susan Riegler said, we think we need a book for our 10-year anniversary. Uh, we're going to hook you up with University Press Kentucky. You can write a book on cocktails. And I didn't ask a lot of questions because when Peggy and Susan tell you that you should do something, they're usually right. And it's all going to work out okay. So both of them really mentored me through the writing process and putting it all together. But um, what was fun was I did some research on what kind of bourbon cocktail books exist. And most of them are either historical books. So here's the history of the old fashioned or the Manhattan or 
a history of XYZ cocktails, or it's just a list of bourbon cocktails. And that's interesting, but I wanted to give people the tools to be able to think about bourbon cocktails so that they could make their own creations. So I really wanted to take the book and give them tools to develop their own palate. Because just like you develop a palate for whiskey, right? You all, you all know this. Whiskey drinkers know that everyone's palate is different. Mm, absolutely. Right? We need to think the same thing about cocktails. We're, we're hung up on the idea that there's one perfect old-fashioned. There's one perfect Manhattan. There's not. Everybody has a preference. There might be a classic old-fashioned or a classic Manhattan. But there's not one perfect Manhattan. So really wanted to do what I wanted to do with the book and what I, what, what I do for each main category is I have a science lab, a cocktail lab. And for the one from Manhattans, because we're sipping Manhattans, you try a classic Manhattan, which has made with sweet vermouth, a perfect Manhattan, which is split between sweet and dry vermouth, and a black Manhattan. So, and a reverse Manhattan, actually, which has twice as much vermouth as bourbon. So, it's lower proof. It's very sweet. It's kind of fun. It's sort of a different take on a Manhattan. But that kind of lets you know and lets you figure out which kind of Manhattan you prefer. Do you prefer one that's less sweet? You probably like the perfect Manhattan. Do you prefer a lot of bitters? You're probably going to go for the black Manhattan. And so being able to go through and do those kind of experiences for yourself and develop your own palate is a way for whiskey drinkers to really understand how to think about whiskey cocktails in a way that just isn't following a recipe blindly. So how did you get there? How did you get to that point where you could write a book on cocktails? I mean, you're not classically trained, so mm -hmm. mixologist. Uh, or a bartender, mm -mm. Um, you just love you just love them. You enjoy them. It's a it's an art. It's a craft for you. You taught yourself. I taught myself, and I did a lot of experimentation at home. My entire foyer is covered with alcohol bottles. I mean, I've got hundreds. Of, I don't know. Do you, we probably have over a hundred bourbon bottles. We've got tons of liquor bottles. They're all over the house. We have them stored in the laundry room. They're in the liquor cabinet. I mean, you just open up a drawer or cabinet and there's extra bottles all just over the place. Just out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you all probably have that problem. Every once in a while you just wander around and you opened up a door and hey, look, there's an extra bourbon you forgot. It does happen, Mike. See? <laughs> it does happen. See? I lose. I lose bourbon is what happens. And I'm like. You forget where you put them? Well, sometimes it's setting right. It was setting right on the bar. I was looking for a bottle of rye, and I was like, "I know I have that. I know I have it." I took a flashlight and looked back in the cabinets, <laughs> and was like, "And I really, what I'm looking for is the the stopper. Yeah, is what I'm looking for because I can recognize the stopper. Yeah. I just didn't see it, and it just it was lost. But it was setting up on the bar in our great room behind a bunch of other bottles, mm -hmm. and I just never looked there. So after the episode was over, I was like. There it is right there. <laughs> right where you right thought there. it was. Yeah. yeah. Right where you thought it was. But yeah, sometimes stuff just gets, goes missing here in the house. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, we're going to keep sipping on our black bandanas here. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, you have another cocktail for us. I do. And we're going to keep talking about your book and cocktails in general, bourbon, and bourbon women and all good things. All the good stuff. All right. Man, Jim, you know what I've really been enjoying lately? Oh, you're going to tell me. Some of that seldom seen farms maple syrup that's been aged in bourbon barrels. It is absolutely delicious, not only in a cocktail, but you can cook with it, right? You can. You absolutely can. Now, Mike, Kevin just sent me a new shipment, so I got a little bit more. 
And I've been making some beef jerky lately. Really? Yeah. Now, I know you're the meat master. <laughs> but but I, I tried my hand at it. I said, you know, I'm going to make some beef jerky. And I've got a pretty decent beef jerky recipe. And it's got a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of Worcestershire, a little bit of, you know, onion powder, garlic powder, those kind of things. But I always put brown sugar in it. Well, this time, Kevin sent me a bottle of his granulated maple sugar. Wow. And I decided that I was going to substitute the maple sugar for the brown sugar. Oh, game changer. Let me tell you. Total game changer. Total game changer. Some of the best beef jerky you've ever had. So I'm going to make another batch here in in about a week, and I'll be sure to get you some. Man, that that sounds delicious. Vivian took, and we just got an air fryer like most people got these days, right? And uh, she took and soaked fresh pineapple in that maple syrup and then put it in the air fryer and it kind of crisped up a little bit. Oh, sounds uh, good. It was just magically delicious. Um, and people probably wonder why we love it so much. Kevin competed in the maple festival uh, last year, 2021, and he was named grand champion. Um, that's saying something. So seldom seen farms grand champion. Of the 2021 Maple Syrup Festival. Yeah. Wow. That's that's saying something. Yeah. You're going up against some heavy hitters in maple syrup. And I know we're we're talking about just the syrup, but, um, you know, that's something to be proud of. Uh, Hats off to you, Kevin, for winning that. Kevin's also uh, competing in a couple other competitions. Make sure you check out his website. Check out his social media on Instagram and Facebook. You won't be uh, disappointed. If you want to buy something, from him where can they go jim you can go to seldomseenmaple.com and kevin and his crew they've got a great website very easy to navigate they've got all their products on there you can buy their maple syrup by the bottle you can buy it by the case uh you can buy that sugar oh my goodness mike that stuff is so good uh, and they've got some other gift sets there too so you definitely want to check it out well he's also going to be in some distilleries pretty shortly here um, some distilleries from that I love and I know you love. He's going to be down Leaper's Fork. Um, you can find a syrup down there, aged in their barrels. Treaty Oak down in Dripping Springs, Texas. Um, I was just out there. His syrup's going to be there. Awesome. Um, and at Garrison Brothers in Texas, if you think uh, you love some maple syrup, make sure you go into Garrison Brothers and pick up a bottle from them also. Uh, Kevin appreciated. Uh, I know he he loves people. You're supporting a local farmer, a local product, a small family. This is no factory place that's putting out maple syrup, right, Jim? This is a good man doing good work. Yeah, got to love it. Well, make sure you check out his site. Like Jim said, seldomseenmaple.com. Pick up a bottle of All right, so we're back. we got Heather in the house, author cocktail contessa mm-hmm. bourbon women we got all kinds of stuff going on we got a new cocktail this time you do and uh it's it's a take on something mike and i have both tried to make successfully and uh i don't know you can say we've been successful we haven't been successful different shades of success i mean i i like them when we make them but I'm ready to drink something professional. Well, after you several drinks in, anything tastes good. That's true. So <laughs> oh, if you're going to make something complicated and fancy, do that first. 
And then you get all your taste buds all going and you get all excited about stuff. And then everything tastes good after that. Yeah. So in the first half, we had a black Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty darn near the top of my list now. I'm probably going to order that a little more often. I think I've had it. I had it once before at the old Stone Inn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Before they closed down. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fellow in there that worked the bar, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know that that touched what I had in the first half. It was pretty darn That's good. That's a compliment. Thank yeah. you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So what do we have in our glass? So this time we decided to switch it up and do something closer to an old fashioned. And I was talking to the guys earlier about these bitters that I love. It's Hella Bitters has these smoked chili bitters. And so we use smoked chili bitters along with some orange bitters. And you all have bourbon barrel aged maple syrup right that's aged is it bourbon barrel age is that Absolutely. correct Absolutely, from our good friends at seldom seen farm exactly yeah. six to, six to nine months in six to nine months barrel. and that stuff is so sweet i used about half the amount of sugar that i would usually use so i use just a quarter ounce in each of those don't need much and you can you still taste the maple in it when yes. you sip on it i just think we a, can just yeah. a tad bit with that chili just a little bit so the chili kind of the chili is kind of the most um, prominent note in there. We used Wilderness Trail rye as the base as well to give it a little bit more spicy kick. So we kind of connected the spiciness of the rye. And Wilderness Trail to me is not super spicy. It's kind of a medium spicy rye. So we kicked up the spiciness with the hella bitter. So I did what I was talking about earlier where I took a part of the whiskey that I wanted to accentuate the spiciness and I used the bitters to bump it up a little bit. So what what's the proportion of um, spirit versus, you said a quarter ounce of? So for me, if I'm just making a basic old-fashioned, uh-huh. it's two ounces of a spirit, usually whiskey of some sort, half ounce of a simple syrup. I tend to prefer brown sugar simple syrup made with light brown sugar. If I'm making it with maple syrup, maple syrup can have a very um, loud flavor, for lack of a better word, can be very prominent. So I usually bump maple syrup down a bit. So that's why I used about half the amount here. You still, so what maple syrup does is kind of fun. When you think about a syrup, it's not just adding sweetness, it's adding viscosity. Texture. Right. Yeah. See, exactly. This is why whiskey make drinkers make the best people to talk to cocktails about. You think you don't like cocktails, but you all know how to evaluate any cocktail anyone puts in front of you. You know mouthfeel, you know finish. You know how to evaluate if it's too thin, if it's too thick. I mean, those are the kind of things that people who love cocktails talk about all the time. And whiskey drinkers don't even think about it. It's sort of like a throwaway. Well, of course I know how to talk about that. So I just, I want more whiskey drinkers to drink cocktail because y'all are really good at it. I think that's one of the things I noticed when I started using maple syrup as my, um, as my simple syrup or as my syrup. As your sweetener. As my sweetener in, in, in old fashions mm-hmm. is that the texture totally changed. Mm-hmm. It became much more, um, it became heavier and more creamy. Mm-hmm. Um, creamy is not the right word. Just viscous. More viscous. Well, thank you for using simple syrup. It, most simple syrups just kind of watery. Yeah. You know, it's just water out of your cocktail kind of. Yeah. And when you're using that syrup from the from maple syrup, it is that viscosity it's thick mm-hmm. i mean yeah, and i normally use so when i'm making them and we've said this on the show probably a hundred times like we're talking about our old fashions you know two ounces of bourbon mm-hmm. or rye and then a half an ounce of maple syrup you use a half ounce yeah a half ounce and then a, a number of shakes of bitters depending on what you're feeling for mm-hmm. the moment but and, and which bitters you use but mine typically come out pretty sweet mm-hmm. and maybe i'm putting too much in 
Not necessarily. Do you like it that way? I like it, but you know what? When you drink your own stuff all the time, mm-hmm. you can get blinded to what's really good, right? Well, you get used to, you have a certain expectation of how it's going to taste and you make it to fit that expectation. When someone else makes you something, you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, they do it differently. Like we're talking about viscosity. If I'm working with the Manhattan and the vermouth is really thin, I'll add a teaspoon of simple syrup. Right. So I just add a little bit of syrup when needed to actually add that mouthfeel. It doesn't add a whole lot of sweetness to it. I mean, if you use a half teaspoon or a teaspoon of simple syrup, our buddy down here really wants a belly rub. And I'm not talking about either of the guys. Uh, well, let's just say it now. Woodrow is in here. He's, he's in the house. He's taking the show. He's, he's, he's laid out. He's, he's, laid little, out. he's passed out right on my feet. He's actually got a little smile going. He's just and like, he hasn't even had any whiskey. No, no, he don't need any whiskey. He doesn't need any whiskey. <laughs> the dog doesn't get any whiskey. No, I the to me this this old fashioned right here is perfect for today because uh, you left a lot of ice in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was dang near hundred degrees outside it was hot. today, and people will be like, "Hey, what was you drinking today?" And I'm like, oh, "I was drinking a cold beer." They're like, "Oh, would, you not drinking whiskey today?" I'm like, "Hey, can't drink like just neat whiskey." outside on a hundred degree day it's very tough to do that it's hard to enjoy it i would say you can do it yeah it's you're sweating you're like oh but it's not it's not as enjoyable as like a high proof whiskey over one big rock yeah that's what i would do yeah or or, i mean a great cocktail like this i mean this one i kind of if you drank this outside when it was hot it would be a little bit discordant because it's got the spice and the heat in it from the smoked chili bitters from the hella bitters and so you would have sort of that connection to the heat, you know, as you were sipping it, a little bit of smoke, which is unusual. And what happens with smoky things is water um, actually makes things taste more smoky. Yeah. You all read the study that, you know, the smoke molecule is water soluble. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they studied this in Scotland, right? They did a scientific study about scotch in Scotland. They've been doing this a few more years than we have. Just a little bit. Well, they're drinking scotch. Yeah, they're drinking scotch, smoky scotch, and they add water to it. And they're like, hey, it, I can, you know, smell and, and, and determine more smoke notes in it when I add water. And it's because I forget the name of it. If I were Susan Regler, I would remember the name of it. But the molecule that contributes to the smokiness is water-soluble. So you get it water-soluble, kind of pops off the top of it, becomes much more apparent when you smell it wow so going back to bourbon women um how many bourbon women are there in the nation today around the world hundreds 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 we've got coast to coast um our numbers are always changing so i don't like to say one number um but we've got 15 chapters now um we just are atlanta or not our atlanta our florida branch is having their first in-person event what day is today wednesday is it Thursday? They're they're having the first in person event in, on Friday. So if a woman wants to join Bourbon Women, mm-hmm. how do they go about that? Look up bourbonwomen.org. And when you go to bourbonwomen.org, you can join. Uh, they'll tell you how much the membership is, tell you all the benefits. And really, some one of the biggest things that you get out of being a member of Bourbon Women is the caliber of events aren't just tasting flights. They aren't just having a master distiller come and speak. It's really about bourbon culture, bourbon history, and the excitement that people have when they share bourbon together, right? It's There's something really special about being in a room full of women sipping bourbon. 
I mean, there can be some guys in there too. I'm, I'm not going to be exclusive, but it's really nice when women have their own space to talk about bourbon and enjoy it. And it's a very different room when it's full of women. The conversation is different. And one of the things that I enjoy so much about bourbon women is not only women having their own space, but bringing in master distillers or people who aren't really convinced that women are part of the whiskey conversation and have them give a presentation to a room full of women. And the women are not only listening to everything they say, they're asking really astute questions and they're expecting a very high level of um, explanation and they want to know the story. I mean, for, for us, I think as bourbon women, it's never just about, you know, we're not a drinking club. We've never been just a drinking club. We want to learn about bourbon culture. We want to connect over bourbon. We want to help one another develop. The friendships that you make with a glass of whiskey in hand may not be the friendships you would make any other time, but they can be really powerful friendships and relationships. So, and you guys have one large event every year that women could come to, like a national event. We have a national conference this year. It's in August, August 25th through 28th. We doubled the size of our conference this year. We had feedback that it was too short. So instead of just being three days, it's now four days. We start on Thursday with special bourbon nerd excursions. And we're doing excursions to different distilleries that are three or four hours long. You know, we're taking them, you know, to, uh, let's see, this year we have um, Buffalo Trace, BBC, Barstown Bourbon Company, Maker's Mark. Um, We always do some Moonshine University excursions because people want to be certified as a bourbon steward at Moonshine University if they're in Louisville, right? So we start on Thursday. We have now all day Friday, all day Saturday. And on Sunday morning, we're adding excursions this year because people said, well, we're here. And why don't you go ahead and and keep offering excursions? Well, I mean, when you have a three-day event and people are telling you that it's too short, you know they're having a good time. They are. And I will tell you, we it was so funny on Sunday last year. You know, we had to skip 2020, right? Every, everything shut down in 2020. We were able to have the conference in 2021. And Sunday morning comes and usually from about uh, 9 to maybe 10 or 8 to 10, we have breakfast. 11, 12 o'clock, there were still people in the conference room sitting there, visiting, talking with the people they had met talking with the master distillers who had came, talking with the brand reps who had come. I mean, it was, people did not want to leave. Part of that was probably COVID that we finally got to be together. We finally got to have this great conference. But part of it, I think, was we're just not done with the conversation about whiskey. And I don't even know if four days is going to be enough. I'll be honest. We have, you know, last year, um, we started on Friday And there were people coming in the Saturday and Sunday before because they were going to spend the whole week doing bourbon stuff. So I was out at a distillery on Saturday and uh, someone goes, Heather. And she pulls down her mask and I said, Nancy. (laughs) And she had come in from Colorado and she was there already to start her week. And they were doing distillery excursions all week until symposium started. We call it symposium, not symposium, just sipping. But yeah, so I mean, Bourbon Women puts on that main event every year, but we also have every branch has several events um, during the year. And we really try and make sure that we, we do virtual events as well. I mean, with, I don't know if you guys had this uh, observation, but with COVID, we really could not gather. And so we really had to become proficient in creating fun and engaging virtual um, events, which we had no experience with before. How did that go? It went great. Yeah. It went great. It was, 
It was so much fun. And you know, what was funny is people would see one another on the Zoom screen and the chat would just be filled with all these side conversations back and forth and all these comments and all these, hey, are you in such and such? Can you get this? Can you get this bourbon? Have you tried this? Have you been to this distillery? And so it was like a, you know, you had the presentation going, but you also had the side conversation of like people whispering. Sure. And having comments. So it was it was very it was very fun. And I think there are some bourbon women who are not near a branch and we have to continue to be able to present fun and engaging virtual content for them. I, I don't think virtual is going away at all. Yeah. 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 You know, Mike and I struggled a little bit with that because, of course, we're not visiting distilleries anymore. Now we're trying to you know, record episodes online. And I think that there was there was kind of a breakthrough there where the episodes started started out i think typically those those uh, video based interviews can mm-hmm. be kind of cold and not real um i don't know you don't really connect distance there's not almost. that personal feeling yeah there's some you distance. can't you're sitting with somebody like you're sitting here in, in a front room and with the dog on my with feet. the dog on your feet and making his cocktails you don't get that experience you know 2 or 300 miles away from each other over a computer screen. So um, it, it was a learning curve, but we, we got through, we had some rough episodes, mm-hmm. but, but I think, I think both we and our guests over the course of COVID learned how to do it better. Yeah. You learn how to connect virtually in a way that we have never had to before. Sure. I would say. Yeah. So now we still do them from time to time. We had an episode just the other day with a, with a West coast distillery and, you know, we had a, we had a fantastic time because mm-hmm. we connected, mm-hmm. you know, we, um, we had a great time. We, we, we obviously drank their whiskeys, and, but we connected with the guest and mm-hmm. it was, well, it's different than it used to be, I think. And I think that's kind of a cultural thing now. I think everybody's yeah. kind of gotten to the point where, you know, not only can they record their episodes remotely or, or have their meetings remotely, but they can work remotely now, right? And be productive. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if we go back to the whiskey side of things, whiskey enables people to make connections, right? The greatest gift you can give another whiskey drinker is to share a great whiskey or just to share a different whiskey with one another. And that's one of the things that bourbon women is just all about. It's about sharing whiskey with a bunch of women, right? And a lot of times we're doing things where, you know, we may make a connection that we use for business. We may, you know, use it for personal or some kind of personal reason. Or you make a friendship that you never thought you would have. And I can't tell you how many people that I've connected with on social media who are bourbon women. And then I hadn't seen anybody in two years. And Symposium last year was like this big reunion. I saw someone across the screen I'd only ever known on social media. And she said, Heather! And I ran to her. We gave each other a big hug. I'd never met her before in person. But these connections that you make over whiskey, whether virtual or in person, can really be strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Heather, so what What was, how many tickets are left for the symposium? Not that many, but we really want to sell out. So we are really, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with our PR team. I'm working with our content team. We're kind of pumping up, you know, ramping things up. Um, I'm got a bunch of pictures I'm going to make into some fun reels and try and get some traction. So we really want to get, we really want to sell out, not just because it's nice to have that cushion, but because when I want that many people to experience it. So it's a four day experience, it's right? It's a four day experience. And, and what's the cost on that? Um, a non-member ticket is I think four ninety five, and then a member ticket is $70 off. So a member gets $70 off the ticket. It's four twenty five. It starts Thursday 
you know, there are add on, and there's lots of add on experiences, just like with most, you know, most kind of conferences or urban festivals have VIP kind of experiences. We've added some of those in because the feedback we got was we want to do something special. We're there, you know, let's, Let's let's do something we haven't done before. So we're having those bourbon nerd experiences on Thursday. And we have one of the things that's most popular are the in a bourbon house dinners where you get to go and have a very small intimate dinner at Peggy No Stevens house at Susan Riegler's house or at Monica Wolf's house. And all of them are consummate entertainers. They are bourbon hosts. They are bourbon uh, they're just specialists in the field of bourbon just in general. And they have these magnificent parties that are small and intimate and fun. And you really get to connect with the people from the brands who are there. Cause usually they have a special guest. Sure. Like last year, Peggy, no Stevens had um, <clears throat> Lisa Wicker. Oh, I love Lisa. She's so great. It was so much fun. And mm. you know, it, it was, it was a really special evening and those are the kind of experiences that I wish I could give everyone, but we only have a limited number of tickets of those, you know? And so there are like, we have a VIP tasting. It used to be called the president's tasting. We don't have a president anymore. We kind of reorganized. So that VIP tasting myself and Margaret Hornlander, the chair, we're kind of pulling together these special bottles that we find and I'm going to make a specialty cocktail and it's going to be for 25 women, which is twice as many as we were able to have last year because of COVID but we're really going to sit them down and walk through four or five or six special bourbons that you can't ever get or can't ever find and celebrate them together. Wow. Yeah. So if a bourbon roadie, one of our listeners mm-hmm. wants and, to and a good, get a ticket. And a good portion of our listeners are female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 If you go to bourbonwomen.org, there's going to be a page at the top that says symposium 2022. And in fact, I added a button to the middle of the homepage that says, take me to the information about bourbon, about the symposium, because I wanted it to be easy to find. It says, join us now. It says, join us now. And right under that, it should yeah. say something about, uh, I can't remember what I put on the button. Come sip with us. Come sip with us. That's what it says. Yeah. So, you know, we really want as many people as possible to come and enjoy it because it's a special experience to have. And it's something that, you know, if you look, if we go back to the book, the book is called Bourbon is My Comfort Food. You know, when we put it together, we wanted it to have a real base about bourbon women. And so every chapter starts with a cocktail from the bourbon women leadership or someone who heads up one of our branches. We have branches across the country of branch ambassadors who are heading those up. And those are volunteers. These are people who donate their time to put together these events in different communities. So, you know, there's a whole chapter that's all about our not your pink drink winners. There's a whole chapter with cocktails submitted from our branches because we want to acknowledge that we are at this point a national organization and I don't think that when we started, when Peggy No Stevens and Susan Riegler and this small group of about eight or 10 women started it, I don't think they could have foreseen the expansion across the U.S. that we have now. I think if you had said that when they started, they would have been kind of puzzled about it. But I think the natural growth of the excitement about bourbon and the, I guess, the engagement of women in bourbon, both as consumers and as people who work in the industry, has grown over time. It's just been a natural progression. And the best things in the world are like that, right? They're not planned. They're not planned. They're organic. They just happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And pretty cool. And and a, and a great bunch of ladies who started that. I mean, certainly Susan and, and Peggy are uh, two that uh, have been on the show before. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've and Peggy has, has 
you call her the queen of bourbon, don't you, Mike? Yeah, I think to me, she's the epitome of Southern hospitality. She's the first Uh, female master bourbon taster. Yeah. Uh, And before her, you know, there wasn't, uh, she kind of started the conversation about women and bourbon and women as consumers of bourbon. And Bourbon Women was really one of the first, if not the first organization to really center on that. So it's a conversation we like to have and we want everybody to join in. You know, we're really working on making whiskey more inclusive. Yeah. I think to me, she's just super nice because she, you know, we're sitting at the, at the village anchor outside dining and it was the middle of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. It was. We were wearing masks. We were wearing masks. Except when eating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she'd been on the show, but she recognized who we were and came over and said hi and, um, Gave her wife some cookbooks, which they were super grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then paid for a round of drinks for our table. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet lady. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So bourbon is my comfort food. Heather Wibbles, author. This is the Bourbon Women Guide to Fantastic Cocktails at Home. Where can people find this book? You can find it online at Amazon, at Barnes & Nobles. Car- uh, Carmichael's has it in town. Any independent bookseller, if you want to support your local bookseller, can order it and have it in town. I know it's carried at independent booksellers in Chicago and California. I've had friends find it and have it ordered at their, you know, their location where they are. And, you know, anywhere you want to get it, you pretty much can get it. It's available everywhere. Now, this is a quality binding on this book. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you pick it up, you know, it's got kind of a, almost a satin or rubberized texture to it. And I I really had no idea what it was going to look like. I'd seen their proofs and they didn't tell me that it was going to come in a month early. So with supply chain issues, they kind of moved my deadlines back about a month and said, we want everything in early just in case we run into any issues, which was fine. But then I didn't realize I was going to get it a month early. And I opened up the box and I was, I, I was, it was very emotional. I will tell you, I did not expect to be emotional about it. Well, it's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, heck, I'd, I'd be emotional if I had a book that was released and you see it out there. It's something to be proud of. It is. And, you know, the way they designed it, the, I took all the pictures and the pictures are, beaut- are are just beautifully presented in there and it's well designed and it's, they really took the manuscript that I had and the pictures that I had and made it into cohesive whole. So I really have to thank the press for that. I can see your husband over on the couch over there. He's beaming with pride. You. <laughs> he had a lot to do with the book. He called himself the book bachelor while the I was writing bachelor. it. <laughs> yep. There were oh. several several weekends that I just said I I have to do I have to do photography, I have to work on a chapter, I have to do edits, I have to prove. And he's just, you know, go go do what you need to do. So, so what if we did something special for your listeners? You all, what would you think about doing a bourbon is my comfort food book giveaway on your channel? I think we'd have some listeners that are pretty uh, anxious to enter that. You think they might do that? Well, um, so why don't we, why don't you guys post on your channel the day this is released? You can put a picture, you want to put a picture of that with the dog. We could do that. Oh, Woodrow in the book. Woodrow in the book. You, don't, you get, don't get Woodrow. You don't get Woodrow. You just, just get the book. Just lay it down on him right now. We'll take a photo. <laughs> yeah, you'll take a photo. <laughs> can you lay it down on him? You want me to do it right now? Right, we're, right yeah, now. do it we'll, right we'll now. We'll see if we can. All right. We're going to see if it. we can We can put, put him right on him without. Belly. Oh, oh, no, oh, don't no. get up. Lay here, down. Here, let's do this. Set. Oh, this is live. This is live podcast at live its best. Po- there we go. All right. So what we'll ask people to do is to... Um, like and follow you guys and follow me at cocktail underscore Contessa and tag three people. And that way lots of people will be able to enter this and they will all 
have a chance to win bourbon is my comfort food. And I will also offer this, which I offer to anyone who has the book. Um, I offer cocktail support online, which sounds kind of funny, but if you're working on a cocktail and you can't get it to turn out right, if you are not getting things to taste the way you want, if you're concerned about a particular ingredient, to message me on social media, media, either cocktail underscore Contessa or on Facebook, Cocktail Contessa. Awesome. And you'll sign their book for them. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. That's a pretty amazing giveaway. I think so. Well, Mike, I tell you what, this has been a great show. I always love cocktail shows. I mean, I always like, I like food shows, like music shows, really, like I cocktail shows. I couldn't tell. Are there any shows you don't like? It sounds <laughs> well, like you're liking most of I the do. shows there. I like there. the bourbon shows too, but you know, sometimes these cocktail shows just are, are really great because I, it's something I wish I could do better. But so, you can. Yeah. Right? It's not that hard. You just have to think of it like whiskey, like make a flight of cocktails with different base spirits. And Jim, you just got to remember them. not to drink the bourbon before you make the cocktail. And write it down. <laughs> write it down. <laughs> measure and write it down. Yeah, measure, Mike. Yeah, measure. You got to measure. You got to write it down. You both have your jobs. I agree. Exactly. I agree. Well, I've really been enjoying this old fashioned. Good. I, you know, a traditional old fashioned is good, but I, I love it with a twist like this. That that's those spicy bitters, those um, yeah, just smoky, hot, peppery bitters in there. A little bit of uh, maple syrup. Make something special, something I hadn't had before, something mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. And, yeah. you know, and it's easy to make. I mean, yeah, made it in about 30 seconds. Well, Heather, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been a blast. It's been very informative. Mike mm-hmm. and I have had a great time. Um, I look forward to reading through your book and trying some of those cocktails. I think uh, I might learn something. I might, I, I certainly do. will learn to write it down because you've, you've made a point. I of made that. that clear. You have. If you learn to write things down and to think about it, that your palate is your own with whiskey as with cocktails, my goal has been met because all I want to do is create more whiskey drinkers and cocktails are the gateway to whiskey. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you guys both for having me on. This has been a blast to make some cocktails with you and hang out with Mr. Woodrow, kind of keeping my feet warm. Yeah. He does a good job of that. He's a sweet boy. Well, we'd like to give you an opportunity to let everybody know about your website, Mm -hmm. uh, any other information about how they might find your book, Bourbon Women, everything Mm -hmm. you have going on. And there's so much stuff going on. There's so much stuff going on. So to find me personally, cocktailcontessa.com is my website. Uh, Instagram is cocktail underscore Contessa. And then Facebook is just cocktail Contessa. And then if you want to join in bourbon women or find out more about bourbon women, that's bourbonwomen.org. And I would be remiss if I did not also talk about our foundation, which is dedicated to education and diversity uh, in the spirits industry. That's bourbonwomenfoundation.org. So we've got those two things going on, but you can join bourbon women at bourbonwomen.org or also just email me heather.wibbles at bourbonwomen.org. I'll help you out. Wow. You've got all the contacts. I do. (laughs) I can connect you. All right. Well, Mike, where can people find us? You know, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, man, everywhere, everywhere. YouTube also, we're on there. We got a couple videos. Probably need to get some more on there. But we're not um, on Twitch, and we're not on Discord. I don't even know what those are. Not so yet. Yeah. No, not, well, I don't be. think we will. Okay. He's tapped out. <laughs> slack. You doing yep, Slack yep. too? I do Slack. Yeah. TikTok's enough. <laughs> TikTok's enough. Um, yeah. So you find us all those places. I'm about to have some new funny videos coming up with uh, Professor Big Chief. Um, you've, you've oh seen my it. gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Folks, get ready. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll get to see Professor Big Chief talking about some whiskey, uh, probably on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, I'll have a good time with it. Uh, look for that. But you can also find us on our private Facebook group called the Bourbon Roadies. Um, a couple thousand people in there. Come in there and join us. You got to be 21. You got to like bourbon. And you got to agree to play nice because we don't tolerate any rudeness. Whether you drink from the very bottom of the shelf, that old tin high like I like you drink back in the day. Ancient age. Ancient age. <laughs> all the way to the top. <laughs> like Jim likes to drink a George T. Stag. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Some pappies. Uh, wherever you're at on that shelf, we want you to be able to enjoy that without any bullying in there. We just don't tolerate it. Yep. Yeah, you won't last too long uh, if you don't play nice. There's there's other pe- places for that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we don't do politics, religion. We don't do guns or knives in there. No social issues. No social issues. We don't do any of that stuff. Just we whiskey. talk about whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great time. We do two shows every week. Mike and I do a Monday episode. We call it a Craft Distillery Monday episode. We bring in a craft distillery, single expression, a bottle to try between us and and taste and decide if it's something that we might want to recommend you put on your shelf. We're always trying to lift up a small craft distillery, doing something a little bit out of the box, try to shine a little light on them. If you've got a small craft distillery in your hometown and you think they're doing it right, make sure you let us know. Uh, every Wednesday, we do a full-length episode like today with Heather. Uh, you know, We'll dive into a couple of expressions. We'll do two 30-minute halves. We'll get you to work. We'll get you home in the car. Uh, sometimes we might even get you back again. The episodes run a little long sometimes, but uh, we hope you enjoy both episodes every week. And Mike, what can they do to make sure they don't miss a single episode? Well, you know what you need to do is scroll up on top of that app there, hit that check sign, that plus sign, that subscribe sign, whatever you need to do. Your app will let you know, hey, these two jokers got a show that has come out today <laughs> and you need to listen. <laughs> then you know what I'm going to say. You need to scroll on down to the bottom of that screen, hit that subscribe button that five-star review, leave us some comments. We enjoy those. Um, but if you don't, you know what's going to happen. The big, bad booty daddy of bourbon is going to come to your house. He's going to drag Heather with her. Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> Hold We're up. Make some cocktails all <laughs> night long. By the end of the night, you're going to have a smile on your face. Hell, hell Heather will have a smile on her face. Um, but you're going to write it down. They're going to write that five-star five okay. five <laughs> yeah. review for you're sure. you going to write that down. But seriously, folks uh, – you know, those comments, those five-star reviews, they open up doors to distilleries. They get great guests on our show, like Heather Wibbles oh, here, uh, the cocktail Contessa bourbon royalty in our house. Um, get great bourbon on our hand, in our hands to review. Um, we really do appreciate it. We certainly do. Now, Mike and I are very approachable. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got an idea for a show, if you've got an idea for a guest, uh, if you think there's a, per- a certain expression we should have on the show, let us know. Mike and I will do all the work. We'll get it on here. Uh, you can always reach out to us on our website. We have a contact us page, thebourbonroad.com. Uh, but you can also send us an email. I'm Jim at thebourbonroad.com. He's Mike at thebourbonroad.com. But like we always say, probably the best way, hit up our DMs on Instagram. I'm Jay Shannon 63. I'm Big Bourbon Chief. And we'll see you down the Bourbon Road. Thank you.